Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Light of the East is also funded by a grant from the Koch Foundation. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. And I'm going to say that also for our Eastern Orthodox Christians, many of whom are celebrating Pascha, Easter, today. So, in Greek, Christos Anesti, Alethos Anesti. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. For the churches on the Gregorian calendar, both Latin Rite churches or many Eastern Catholic churches, today is one Sunday after Easter, the Sunday after Easter, which is Divine Mercy Sunday for the Latin Rite. But it's also for both the Latin Rite and the Eastern Rites, especially if you go back far enough, Thomas Sunday. That's right. Even in the Latin Rite calendar, it is Thomas Sunday as well. But it has been somewhat overlaid in recent years with Divine Mercy Sunday. But what's interesting is that whether it's St. Thomas we're looking at or the Divine Mercy devotion from Sister Faustina, the theme is the same. Isn't that interesting? God's providence. The theme is the same on this Sunday after Easter. And the theme is mercy, whether we call it officially divine mercy or just mercy, God's mercy, as seen not only in the divine mercy devotion that was developed by Sister Faustina, but also by St. Thomas and that encounter that Christ had with Thomas in the upper room together with the apostles when they were finally all together at the same time. Christ had appeared to the apostles earlier, but Thomas wasn't there. Once again, he was late and doubting. But this time they're all together. And what happens is Jesus gives an example of his divine mercy to Thomas. Because remember, Thomas, of course, is doubting at first, but then he ends up saying the most important words in all of the Bible. In fact, the most important words for all of us, and that is, my Lord and my God, that we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and God. That was the whole message the whole purpose of all of the Bible, salvation history leading up to Christ, culminating in Christ, so that we could then all believe in Christ, that we might all be one. And so Thomas moves from a doubter to a prophet. And in the liturgical text, as always, even though they're ancient, 
they're so relevant for us because what happens is we see in these texts the deep meaning of the event. In this case, it is Jesus appearing to Thomas in the upper room. And one of the texts says this, having richly drawn from the inexhaustible treasury of your pierced side, which was pierced by the lance of the soldiers, Thomas filled the world with the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's an inexhaustible treasury of your pierced side. What would that inexhaustible treasury be? Well, let's go back to the beginning of Adam and Eve. How was Eve created? Adam was created from the earth. Eve was created from Adam's side. In other words, from a person. Christ, God, opened the side of Adam and made woman from his side, from a rib in his side. So too, when Christ is on the cross, when his side was opened and he is the new Adam. Remember, Christ is the new Adam on the cross. He's the new Adam. His side is opened again, this time by a lance. And what comes out of his side, what flows, and again, it's in the details, it flowed. See, a dead body on a cross would not have bodily fluids flow out of it. This time, when Christ was pierced, although he was dead on the cross, something did flow blood and water, life fluids, the very essential fluids of life, blood and water, the very things we pour into the chalice when the bread and the wine will become the body and blood of Christ. We put in the chalice the wine and the water. Christ's side spewed forth what flowed from there, flowed onto the ground, was his blood and water life fluids. And so once again, we have life coming from the side of the new Adam, And that new life represents humanity reborn, reconceived on the cross by the new Adam and the new Eve. Now his mother is now the new Eve. And the human race is reconceived. The blood falls on the earth and sanctifies the earth that the earth might once again bring forth life as it did in the Garden of Eden. So you see there's a recreation out of Christ's compassion coming from his side. The creation also of the church. The blood and the water represents, prefigures our baptismal water and also the sacrament of Christ's sacrifice of his body and blood in the Eucharist. So we have the blood of the Eucharist and the waters of baptism being prefigured from the side of Christ. So we've got, as the text here say in the prayers of the Byzantine church on this Thomas Sunday, they say that Christ's side had an inexhaustible treasury an inexhaustible treasury. This is why, because it's all about life coming from Christ's great compassion. And it says here also, you were pleased to be known, O Christ and lover of mankind. That is why you directed Thomas to that knowledge by offering your side to be examined by his doubt. Thus you strengthened the world in the faith in your resurrection on the third day. It said you were pleased to be known, O Christ and lover of mankind. God wants us to know him. Christ wants us to come to him. He wants to be known, and he wants to be known, and this is very important, he wants to be known as fully human and fully God all at the same time, because this is how he saved us, by coming as God, as only God can do, to raise up humanity by becoming humanity, becoming the new Adam. And so oftentimes Christ makes sure that he is revealing both his divinity and his humanity. A little more than a week before, in our Byzantine liturgical calendar, we celebrated Lazarus Saturday. That's actually the 
beginning of the Great Week, the Holy Week. See, Lent in the Eastern Churches ends on Friday, and Lazarus Saturday begins the week that will take us into Palm Sunday, into Holy Week, and then into the resurrection of Christ. But Jesus, in the event of raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus reveals his humanity and divinity very emphatically. Because first of all, he's walking, he's talking with people, he has emotion, he cries at the sight of Lazarus being dead. And he asked his sisters, Martha and Mary, where is he buried? Now, as God, he certainly would have known that. But he's acting as a human, very fully human. And then he acts as God by raising Lazarus from the dead. No one had ever raised someone from the dead who had been dead and entombed, especially for four days. We have in the Bible the prophets Elijah and Elisha. They did raise people from the dead, but these people were immediately dead and not buried. No one raised someone from a tomb, especially after being dead for four days. So clearly, Christ is doing something unprecedented that no human has ever done, no matter how holy they were, even the greatest of prophets like Elijah. Even they could not and did not do this. Only God could have raised someone out of a tomb, not just from the dead, but from the dead and brought out of the tomb after being entombed for four days, being dead for four days, while at the same time being fully human. So God wants us to know him, and he wants us to draw towards us, as he told Thomas, come and touch my wounds. Look at the price I paid for you. Now, this gives us a lesson about scars, scarring. We oftentimes talk about being scarred. I'm scarred for life, whether physically, emotionally, and so on. But I'd like to present a different interpretation on scarring based on this Thomas event with Christ. Think about a scar. A scar means something has happened in the past, and it has healed. It may not look pretty, and it's always a reminder usually visually, sometimes emotionally, that we went through something. We were hurt. But because there's a scar, it means that we healed. And the scar remains as a reminder. And from that reminder, we remember. Remember the experience, remember what we've learned. We see how we've been healed from it, how we may have progressed from that, progressed beyond the woundedness. But the reminder is always there, and it's a lesson for us. It's like a battle scar of life, almost a sign of being a hero, having gone through something, yet survived, yet has have healed. We haven't forgotten, because the scars that remind us, whether emotionally or physically, but it's there. And this is very helpful when it comes to, especially emotional scars, when we've been hurt. Oh, I'm scarred for life. We act like that's a doomsday ending. That's it. I'm scarred. I'm hurt. There's nothing positive. But actually, to say we are scarred is to say that there's been a victory, a healing, and yet a reminder that remains. It was not Christ entering the room. Remember, he went through the door, even though it was locked. The apostles thought he was a ghost. That's a very important detail. He passed through a closed door, then open it, passed through it, like pure spirit. Yet they eventually recognized him. But it wasn't that miraculous vision that convinced Thomas. It was when he touched the physical scars of Christ that Thomas came to faith. When we return, we're going to talk more about this Sunday of divine mercy in more ways than one, this St. Thomas Sunday. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you I'm Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Kostka, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago. And you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Christ is risen, indeed he is risen. Christos Anesti, Alethos Anesti to our Orthodox Christians, many of them who do use the Greek, not all of them, but many of them do. And so I'll use that kind of universally to greet our Orthodox Christians who are celebrating the Paschal Day, the resurrection of Christ today on their calendar. For others on the Gregorian calendar, such as my own church, we're celebrating this Divine Mercy Sunday or the Thomas Sunday. They can actually be used interchangeably because it's the same theme. In the liturgical texts for this Sunday in the Byzantine church, we also say this, it is not in vain that Thomas doubted that he did not immediately admit your resurrection. He acted in such a way that the resurrection is an indisputable belief to all the nations on earth. By his doubt, he strengthens the faith of all and teaches us to say, you are the Lord. To you belong praise and great glory. Blessed are you, O our God and the God of our fathers. It says here that it is not in vain that Thomas doubted. This is very relevant today, very relevant to today, as these liturgical texts and the scriptures always are. When we read ancient texts, whether it's the Bible, the texts of the Bible, the texts of liturgy, such as in our Byzantine church, which is just replete with liturgical texts, and they're ancient, it doesn't mean we're reading something historical or out of date or, or archaic or obsolete. It actually means something that is timeless. We're reading and saying, praying something that is timeless, good for all times. That's why we use the word today in our prayers. Today, Christ has risen from the dead. Today, Thomas believes, touches the wounds of Christ. We use this word today because it is, in fact, through the liturgy, our being, in a sense, transferred 
back into time so that there's a timelessness. In other words, we are living this event of Christ's resurrection. It is happening now, just as sure it was happening for those women who came to the tomb that early morning. It is happening now. And through the liturgy and the liturgical text, this is made real to us. That's what's so important about going to church. We're sort of transported not only back in time, we're transported into a timelessness, past, present, and future come together. And so it's very relevant today, these texts. Thomas doubts, and it is not in vain that he doubted. We sometimes give Thomas a bad rap. Oh, doubting Thomas, that's how he's known. I wonder why he's known for that, because he really should be known as Thomas the Believer. Remember, he doubted, but he came to faith and said, as I mentioned earlier, the most profound words, my Lord and my God. Why is this so relevant to today? Well, we have a lot of reason today. We've had ever since COVID came along, and certainly the war in Ukraine, and all other kind of tragedies and horrors and corruption and dark, bad stuff that's going on in this world today. Let's face it, we're surrounded by it. We can't even stand watching the news. In this time, with all this going on, we certainly have temptation. We certainly have a vulnerability to wonder, where is God? Why is he allowing such immense tragedy? We can't even watch on TV anymore. The horror, the brutality of the war in Ukraine, what they're doing to each other, the invasion, the bombing, the destruction, the death. Oh, I could go on and on. Where is God? We're praying and praying. Why does God not put a stop to this? Why does God allow corrupt people to rule the world? Whether in our government, why is he allowing corruption even in the church? And high up in the church, let's face it, let's be honest, it happens. It happened there at the Last Supper. One of the apostles himself betrayed Christ. Why does he allow it? He allows it because, well, there's a couple of reasons. God allows us to play out our human drama. He allows us to make our choices. He never takes away or in any way nullifies or mutates the gift he gave us of our free will. Sometimes I wish he would do something about it, but no, he is God. His love is the fact that I give you this tremendous gift, but I will not take it away from you. It is yours. You can choose life or death in every moment, as it says in the book of Deuteronomy, I put before you life or death, choose life. So he lets our choices play out and the consequences of our choices have to be played out in the great drama that is this human race and its history. He allows it. But also he allows bad to happen, like Thomas's doubt at first, or these horrific things, not because he wants it or he's an uncaring God, but because he will do something with it for good. I mean, we just celebrated this mystery itself with the cross. Think about it. The cross, Christ's suffering was the worst thing. His side is pierced, opened up a wound. And what happened? We call his side something of inexhaustible treasure. Life came from that side that was wounded. The cross being the worst thing, the symbol of everything bad, now becomes something glorious. We bow before it. We wear it in rich jewelry of gold and silver and so on. In every way, the cross is honored, decorated, revered, carried in processions, bowed down before. Why? It was an instrument of everything horrible, used by pagans. 
Why would we do that? Why would we honor it so? Because God took that terrible thing and he himself allowed himself to be mounted upon it, to suffer, to be bled, to be beaten. And yet every single one of those dark, bad things now become something redemptive for us. Christ wounds his open side, his hanging on the cross, his dying, his descending into hell. It's not just dying, descending into hell to break the bonds of Satan. He could not have done that. At least he chose. I mean, he's God. He could do whatever he wants. But he chose to go the human route, which would mean that he couldn't defeat death unless he encountered it. And he encountered it in Hades, in the lower regions where the devil held all souls captive until Christ came and saved them, released them, paid the ransom for them. So he not only went on the cross, he went up onto the cross and then he went down into Hades and did battle with the devil. This is a very big celebration in our Byzantine church on Holy and Great Saturday with the Jerusalem matins in the morning and then the Vespers, the baptismal liturgy in the evening. The theme is very strong about Christ descending into hell, doing battle with Satan and releasing the captives there. That's the real meat of the resurrection. It gets underplayed a lot. We know about Good Friday. That's very high profile, Christ suffering on the cross. And we certainly know about Easter Sunday, about Pascha, the resurrection. But the descent into hell kind of gets underplayed, yet that's the whole crux of it. There would be no resurrection. There would be no real meaning to his dying on the cross. He didn't save us just by dying on the cross. He saved us by dying on the cross so that in dying, he could encounter death in its lowest regions of Hades with the devil and break its power. And so Christ took on everything bad, the worst of it all, even the bowels of Hades, and turned it into something redemptive. And surely God has to be doing that, whether we see it or not, maybe we'll see it later. He has to be doing that now, from the COVID, starting with the COVID pandemic, now the war, all the other kinds of corruption in the world that is so evident today. He is working something good out of it. What is it, you might say? Do we see it? Maybe we don't see it right now. Maybe we will. Maybe we can see some of it. I see something. I see something that was from the beginning. And this is where we get the cross and resurrection mystery through every aspect of life. I believe that, especially I saw this starting with the COVID pandemic, that God has been shining a light on the world. He's revealing where we are at in our faith individually, as nations, as a world, because COVID challenged us in this way. It challenged the church. It tested the metal of the church. Did we really believe in God, in God's providence, in God's mercy? Did we put church and God above even the fear of our own health, of preserving our life on earth? How much did of the church, how much of the Eucharist, how much of the sacraments how much of the ministry of the church was compromised? What did that say? It was an indictment on our faith as church. And maybe this is what God wanted. He wanted us to see that we're not really where we should be in our faith. And he didn't do that to chastise, embarrass us. He did it to do as he did to Thomas, to call us towards him. Remember, he told Thomas, come, step forward. In other words, come to me, touch me. Thomas was at a distance. 
I believe he did the same thing or is doing the same thing through all these tragedies. He's asking us and telling us, you're not where you should be individually, as a nation, as a world. Come to me. See where you are at, that you are not where you should be, although you think you are. We oftentimes hear this, I kept hearing it over and over again. Oh, let's just get the vaccine so we can all be cured and go back to quote-unquote normal. We keep wanting to go back to normal. Normal is gone. Normal will never be again. And maybe it was God's province that normal should die. Normal wasn't good enough. There's never really a normal because we're in constant process. We're in the constant state of our own becoming, just like Thomas, from doubt to faith. And then from there, he went to evangelize, went all the way to India. Can you imagine that? The Christians in India are so proud of that. They say, we were evangelized by an apostle himself, Thomas. How in the world he got that far in those days? But you see, it was a process. He was in process, and so are we. There's never anything we can call, quote unquote, normal, where we can just sort of rest and cruise along. And that's been pulled out from under us. That's been challenged. We just have to understand that and see that and not long for so-called normal, but long to say, as Thomas did, my Lord and my God, and to come and touch Jesus. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.